Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team in Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Start spreading the news. Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser at HawkBlogger on Twitter. You, uh, you're going to be forced to, to see my face this week. Uh, the Seahawks did enough to uh, keep me from putting the bag back over my head. But uh, who knows? Anything can happen on this show. That's why you're here. Uh, let me bring in the fellas. Uh, this week we've got a, a strong crew. Uh, Evan Hill at Evan S-E-A on Twitter. How are you? I'm doing well, and I feel like this is a little bit of a weird situation because I cannot remember the last time we had a three-person show on a Wednesday night. This feels pretty rare, doesn't it? It it does, you know, and, and I think there's there's um, addition by subtraction is, is a common theme, and, and this might be one of those times, you know? Uh, we get a little bit more Jeff Simmons, uh, at real Jeff Simmons up there in Canada. Um, you know, as we've talked about, we need to get more Jeff Simmons on this show. So this is a good chance for, for him to step up. There's a lot of pressure on you though, this week, Jeff, you got to carry a little. I listened to your show last week with the bag on your head and Dana hosting and holy shit, that was a good episode. And I thought that you guys might fire me. I, I, it was such a good episode where Brian's like, Brian came out of nowhere with that bag switching sides and Nathan was really good. Like I, I didn't think you guys would bring me back to be honest. That was arguably the best real hawk. I think Derek called it the best real hawk talk. Well, hold up. You're the founder. You're the OG. So, You're the- yeah, maybe I meant for like a producer role. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How but, did this show start? So me and Brian were always like talking about me writing for the blog when I was in media. And I had a contract with a media company where I wasn't allowed to do outside. So when I ended up leaving that company, I reached out to Brian and I had done some writing a little bit here and there, but I remember pitching Brian that 
as crazy as Seahawks fucking Twitter is, Seahawks Twitter is nuts. Really was like a notable podcast for the Seahawks. There were some other field goals ones and some other ones, which I just found kind of odd. So I said, why don't we start one, see what happens. And Brian, under his leadership, ended up bringing you and Nathan on. I think that's really transformed from, if you saw some of our earlier episodes, we had some good stuff, but it was definitely a work in progress. And getting the four of us and then Dana, we've really developed. So just, I just remember blindly pitching it. He was like, okay, why not? And then since then it's, I think we're four years in. It's crazy how much we've changed. Yeah, it's been a fun ride. Are we four or three years in? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Anyways, I was just interested to hear that story officially. Can, can I Can I do a little bit of a flex? Can I, can I do a work? flex? I mean, so I, one of the benefits of spending ungodly amounts of time obsessing about the Seahawks is that if enough people pay attention, you know, there's some products that want to get, uh, you know, uh, mentioned in the, in the process. And so sometimes you get, you get little treats. And so one of them, I do want to thank simply Seattle, this sweatshirt is amazing. Um, so, uh, love working with them. And, uh, I know a lot of you guys got some amazing sweatshirts last week, um, and, and different gear, but what I want to mention this week, if you haven't seen it, it's just about to get released. Um, Cutwater. Uh, I'm going to see if you can see this. Cutwater uh, Distillery is releasing a Seahawks. Let me see if I can find the best view of it. A Seahawks vodka mule. And they sent me my own four pack. And so let's get the sound here for people listening. Ooh, that was some ASMR type of stuff. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> It is excellent. I've already done three of them. So this is my last. Um, <laughs> uh, these are going to be very popular, man. They're super. The packaging is awesome, like super branded. And as you guys know, I'm a Moscow Mule like fanatic. So uh, they really hit the target market. Well, I, I. I've been trying to convince them, like, we need to partner like legitimately because I don't know if there's a show other than. Other than Matador Nachos, I don't know if there is a brand and uh, and product that we could better sell than Seahawks branded Moscow Mules. So we'll see what we can do there. But in the meantime, um, definitely want to give folks a, uh, a chance. If you haven't already, take a look for Cutwater's um, Vodka Mules, Seahawks mo- mos- uh, Vodka Mules. They're, uh, they're awesome. Um, How many in- does it take to get like a little buzzed? I'm asking the really important questions right now. You know, it's hard to say with you because um, <laughs> I, I think of you as a lightweight. A droplet, like know, a single droplet touches my tongue. You kind of like have an IV of alcohol going. So, <laughs> so it's hard to know like w- what it would take for you. But it's 7% um, alcohol. So it's 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 a legit drink. Um, you know, for me, probably, probably three or four. For you, I don't know. Hard, hard to say. I mean, real you, you, vodka talk game day you know that you and i have a different tolerance level so <laughs> where can people get it is it is it just going to be everywhere or yeah, like they didn't <laughs> that is one of the flaws because we haven't been able to do the full partnership they didn't really give me that information it's going to be available starting this month but they, they did not make it clear where so i'm assuming you should be looking on your store shelves if nowhere else um cut water you know check their website and they should have some information there but um uh it is it's good stuff um, 
So guys, let's 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 uh, switch switch gears and, and talk a little bit about the Seahawks because I think people probably want to know about them. Um, you guys did an excellent post game show. I listened to it. I was jogging uh, this week. It was fantastic because I was not on it. Um, I would have absolutely ruined that show because I was still in a mood um, about the Seahawks. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll just start by sharing like. I didn't walk away from that game feeling a lot different about the Seahawks. I would say I don't feel any different. I think that's actually fair. I would not say I feel any different about the Seahawks after that game than I did before. Um, but uh, the door is open. Like the door is open for them to now, I think in this game coming up this week against this Washington football team to actually accomplish something that could change my perspective on this team. Um you know, beating the that Jets team 40 to 3, you know, I don't know what that proves. If you can if you can put up points against this Washington defense, then I think that's something to pay attention to. That that is something that you can build on. And the Seahawks have one of the toughest closing schedules in the NFL when it comes to opposing defenses. They're playing Washington, the Rams, and the 49ers. Those are all three legit defenses. And I just want to start there. Like, for me, what I need to see starting now is that the offense can win a game regardless of the quality of defense they're playing. And I have not seen them do that yet this year. The defense, you know, shutting down the Washington offense, if the Seahawks were to win 10 to 3, honestly, that wouldn't change my opinion of the Seahawks that much. Um, but if, you know, Seahawks score 20, 25, 30, that might. So I want to start there and, and, and Evan, you know, get your perspective on, on uh, you know, did your opinion change at all based on this past game? And if not, um, what are you looking for um, to, to, to kind of rekindle your belief in this team going forward? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I'm in the same boat as you that I don't think it or even came close to material materially changing my view of this team right now but i do think it's important to recognize that it it was they did what they should have done and 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 i know we talked a lot a lot about this in the post game yes it was the jets yes it was sam darnold yes it was adam gase but they did what they should have done and i think recognizing that as an important step it puts them on a on a good path for progress now i completely agree with you this upcoming week is going to be a huge test. People need to really make sure we're not underselling this Washington defense. We're talking, you know, a top three unit in the NFL, maybe number one with how good their pass rush is. That's how nasty they are. Uh, Chase Young has been everything they've hoped for and more in the NFL. Um, they have a couple of other solid edge rushers that that names are escaping me right now, but yeah, no, they're, they're a really, really good team. I, 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 I don't want to just like uh, echo what you said, but I do share many of the same feelings, you know, as you, when it comes to this offense, like th the strongest part of this team or what should be the strongest part of this team is the offense. They have a, you know, a top three quarterback, top two quarterback in the NFL. They have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, stud running back room, Rashad Penny's coming back, a good offensive line for the first time in a decade. This team, this offense, when they're functioning as they should, is absolutely capable of 
taking this team to a Super Bowl and winning it. This defense is not something that, you know, uh, could be the strength of a team in terms of bringing them to a Super Bowl. We know that. That's obvious. Uh, but I, I think you do make a strong point, Brian. Uh, this is a really good Washington defense. Uh, these are the types of defenses we're going to see in the playoffs. We are three games away from, or three, I guess four weeks, because I think there's a there's a bye week break. Uh, we're three or four weeks away from the playoffs. It's really, really critical that this offense gets on a good trend and gets hot and gets functioning correctly entering the playoffs. Because if they're not hot, they're not established and they're not really prepared, they're going to flounder and they're going to be a, a one and done type of playoff team. And that would be a real, real bummer for the talent that this offense has. Yeah, Jeff, I mean, interested in your, your perspective on uh, what do you need to see against this Washington defense? You know, and if you get specifically, like, what would be encouraging for you to see and, and out of the norm? I think you guys both hit on it. I think this two-week stretch coming up here really impacts how I feel about this team going into the playoffs, and arguably three-week stretch, because the Seahawks, we've seen improvement from the defense. I know the offenses they've played haven't been great, but we've seen enough that they can get by being just okay, plays here and there. We need to see Russell Wilson and the offense perform against good defenses. I think that impacts their ability to have our, us feeling confident going into the playoffs where they're probably not going to be a number one seed. That seems out of the question at this point. Green Bay has that pretty comfortably locked up, I believe. So Washington, if you haven't watched them or haven't seen them play, I, I did a story a bit on Chase Young this week for one of my writing articles they are scary on the defensive line. Remember what the Giants did to these guys a couple weeks ago? These guys are remarkably better on the front four. They, they're they a lot like San Francisco last year where they have first-round picks all over. They have Chase Young, who's like that Jenga piece, like the guy who put them over the top. He's dominant, like Evan said. But they also have Montez Sweat, who was a guy that we thought the Seahawks might maybe should have taken the year they took Collier. They moved back and they took Collier. They have Jonathan Allen and – Payne inside, who are both first-round picks, both top 15 picks. A lot like San Francisco last year, they're just dominant. They're not only, like, aggressive as pass rushers, they're physical. And we don't know if Brandon Shell's going to play, and the next week they play one of the best defenses in the NFL. So for me, the big question about this team's ceiling is can Russell Wilson and this offense operate against a good defense? Because against Buffalo, against the Rams, against the Giants, they've wilted. And to me – We've talked about it all year. The thing that brings this team to its ceiling is this offense. And I had a buddy today. He wrote me. He's, he, he likes to gamble. And he sent me the odds in the NFC. He said, the Seahawks are kind of looking pretty. And I still believe in them. Their defense is getting better. I believe in Russ. Should I pull the trigger? And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Have you watched this team play? But pull if the they can. What? what? Pull the trigger on what? What bet? Betting on the Seahawks to win the NFC. The NFC. He said the odds are great and he believes in Russell and he thinks they match up well with Green Bay. I said, are you out of your mind? Um, he liked them. This two-week stretch to me dictates the ceiling. The Jets thing, as Evan said, was relieving. The opponent sucks, but it was just nice to see the offense and the defense play well at the same time. And Russell looked like a quarterback again. I don't know what the odds are, but I actually think that's a great bet. I mean... They're like the fourth-ranked team behind New Orleans and the Rams. Seattle and Tampa are like similar level. And he's like, I believe in Russell. He's been there. 
They have the talent. Jamal's coming on. I need to see this, this game, especially how they perform against a good defense. Well, you know what? Just to go off on a sidetrack for one moment, you know what? Yeah. It, you know what feels weird is the NFC doesn't really have like a top, far and away established team that is like the superior contender. No, no. Like, like I think we're all in agreement that the Packers are probably the best team in the NFC. But at the same time, the Packers have very clear flaws, very yeah. clear weaknesses. And they are beatable. As scared as I am of playing them in Lambeau, they are absolutely a beatable football team. The Seahawks can beat the Packers on any given Sunday. I I do believe the odds are long in Lambeau. But honestly, it's a good year to be in the NFC because if I was in the AFC and and we had to go up against those Chiefs, (laughs) well, that's what's so aggravating. I mean, I'm going to get the bag out again. I'm so pissed. Like, Talk about it. it. This is this is the season that's been given to the Seahawks on a silver platter. There is no team in the NFC that you should feel worried about. Even if you do have to travel, other than Green Bay, are you worried about going to an empty Superdome in New Orleans or a Tampa Bay like empty stadium like or LA? Like these are all even if you have to travel, these aren't other than Green Bay, there's no real concerning place to play. There's no team that's dominant. You had the easiest friggin' schedule you can possibly imagine. I mean, just so easy. And then here's the thing. We'll talk about this some more, but the defense has done – they're better. They're good enough now. They have crossed – as far as I'm concerned, they have crossed into the level of play where the Seahawks defense is good enough paired with an elite offense to win a Super Bowl. They're definitely at that level from my perspective. So – they have all this stuff going and they just Russell shoddy, the offense laid a friggin' egg, like for the last six, eight weeks, you know? And so that just really just, it's a, it's a, it's a wasted, wasted, wasted opportunity. And now what I wrote about on Monday is the only thing that's going to like rekindle my faith, really rekindle it is for them to get to the Super Bowl because here's the thing. If they get all the way to the NFC championship and they lose in Green Bay and that game would have been either one would have been in Seattle or two, the Seahawks would have had a bye because if just by winning that Giants game, this season will not have been a success by my definition because of how badly they will have botched their chance to win a Super Bowl. Like that just doesn't happen very often. And so that's how that's why I'm so aggravated because it's just so been so so easy and yet they've made it hard. And that's just typical of what Seattle's done for the last few years. And five and oh was the best start in franchise history, right? Yeah. It yeah. Tied it, I thought. No, I, I think they were four and oh in twenty thirteen. I think they lost in week five. I think that was the best start they've ever had. It just it's really frustrating to see them fuck away that start it just sucks it it hurts me it does but here let me switch let me switch gears a little bit because (laughs) i've done a lot of what was me stuff i I lied and i want to i want to admit my lie so i said there's nothing about the jets game that 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 i thought was encouraging there were actually two things one regardless of how bad the jets were uh russell played his best game in i would say two months 
people were like, oh, he played well against the Cardinals, you know, when they won that game. Not from my perspective. I thought he played good, but he seemed timid. He seemed decisive in the Jets game. The ball was coming out fast. It was accurate for the most part. There, He could have had more, you know, if David Moore had caught the ball. Like, there's, a, there's things – I think – I think he played a solid, commanding, confident game. So that was one thing that I just, I don't care who was against. I liked seeing that. The other thing that I guarantee you nobody else is talking about, guys, the one thing that the Jets do well is defend the run. They actually have one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Very quietly, the Seahawks dominated them on the ground. They were blowing open, wide open holes. Carlos Hyde had a good game. He had some good cuts. He and Chris Carson, even Chris Carson's big run, how many yards before contact on those runs? Those guys were like, they were blowing open big holes. And yes, Brandon Shell being back is part of that. That's great. But I don't think that was it because he only played a half. So like, I thought the, the Jets run defense is better than the Washington run defense. And so to me, that's a really interesting thing going into this week that can counteract. Maybe you don't have Brandon Shell. Maybe your pass protection can't hold up against this, this pass rush. I think it could be really encouraging to see the Seahawks have a balance of being able to, and you guys know I'm not like a stupid, you know, let, let's balance it for the sake of balance. But I think keeping this team off, off balance by running and passing could be a key this week. So I am, I'm hopeful about that uh, potential this week. Well, one of the, it's funny you mentioned that because one of the key takeaways I took away from the Jets game was that Russell was getting the ball out of his hands faster than we've probably seen him do it all year, to be honest, just off of the eye test. Like he was getting, he, he was getting rid of the ball quickly. He didn't take any sacks either, which was a kind of like an under the radar stat that uh, was a big step forward in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's the, I agree with you running the ball may present some opportunities this week, but I'm much less focused on this offensive line in pass pro and a lot more focused on scheming players and receivers open and Russell getting it out of his hands quickly. Yeah. You know, Jeff, the other thing that would be nice to see, we didn't have to see it in the jets game because the jets are so bad. We haven't had to see the Seahawks really adjust um their game plan on offense and that's what's driven us all crazy i mean i was just seeing like red listening to shoddy talk about oh yeah we really looking back we should have adjusted when uh, the giants were taking away the deep ball no shit no shit future head coach brian schoenheimer right oh. there so so like they did the short game that worked the jets never were able to take it away it'll be interesting I don't know how much you guys have looked. Jeff, you said you watched the Washington team. They're secondary. Like, Ronald Darby's their, like, big corner. And Darby, like, is a guy that DK Metcalf assassinated last year in Philly. The stats weren't big, but that's because DK dropped a couple passes. But, like, um, they don't have a great secondary uh, in terms of who's back there. Um, you know, if, if, they, if they're getting rid of the ball quickly and the pass rush can't get home – you know, what's your assessment of the Seahawks ability to move the ball through the air um, in kind of a quick passing game against this defense? It, it has to be the way they play this game. They, if they do the long dropbacks, hope for deep balls, they're setting up for failure. 
because yeah, you said it perfectly. I read your tale of the tape today, Brian. Uh, their secondary is not their secondary is not special. They they're purely reflective of how good the front four is and how physical they are in the front seven. They play really hard, and a lot of Ron Rivera's teams in the past have kind of been built like that. They never really had good secondaries in Carolina, and Seattle's had success throwing the ball and maybe running it at them. But if you're going to do deep passing and lengthy dropbacks against an offensive line that struggle, and they're not a blitz-heavy team. They're, they're, they win with the front four. I said they're a lot like San Francisco last year. When you watch them play, like they're not only good at pass rushing, they're very physical. Like They will knock guys off the line of scrimmage. They pancake people. You need to do the quick game. And their linebackers are not great in coverage. They have average linebackers. They don't have a special player there. We say it a lot, like this is a game where I think Will Disley could stand out. This is a game where quick passes to DK on slants, on curl routes, things that they can get the ball out of their hands. Sort of what we saw last week where they weren't too reliant. Other than that one David Moore pass, I don't know if there was a ton of deep throws. And I think that's how Seattle has to approach this game. Evan, just want to confirm for you. I don't. I can't say for sure it was the the best in this regard, but just looking quickly, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson's time to throw in that game was on average two point four one seconds, which was like ranked around thirteenth in the NFL last week. Just in that week, his time for every other week this season combined was two point seven nine, so point four seconds more. That ranks thirty eighth in the NFL over the course of the season. So 13th, that's a big difference. 13th last week, 38 for the season. That's a huge difference. Um, yeah. In how you defend this team. Yeah. The, the only thing I, so Jeff, I, I agree with your assessment in terms of Washington's defensive strengths, but I will call out one player who has been exceeding expectations for them. And that's Cameron curl, their safety drafted cool. out of the seventh round this year. Uh, he's been playing really, really well for them. Actually had a defensive touchdown last week, if, if you're watching the game. So, I, yes, they're, they've got Ronald Dar- Darby, but they're not, they're not completely inept. No. No, they're not bad. Yeah. They're not the strength of the defense, but they're also not something to scoff at, I think. No, they're not. They're not, they're not a weakness. Like, they're not, they're not a... They're not a deficiency, but they, they certainly are not a dominant, super talented group. Um, they're, they're Nickelback, and especially, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, is, is not particularly great. Um, and I just, I don't see a guy that stops DK. Ronald Darby is not a guy that... Kendall Fuller? No, he's their other corner. Their, their slot, I can look it up if you're interested. But... Greg Stroman, maybe? I don't know. That, that, that name sounds made up. No, I'm being dead serious. Oh. <laughs> He's a quarterback for, for them. <laughs> it is, um, let me see really quickly. Because I, I, I can't think of who the other state. I know they have a lot. They've had a lot of injuries, actually, in their secondary. There's Jimmy Moreland, I'm pretty sure, is their, their nickel. Yes, Jimmy Moreland. Oh. Um, oh, good God. Yeah. He, he's not – He's not great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, anyway, I, I think it'll be interesting this week to see if they can run the ball. I think it's going to be interesting if they can do some quick passes. I think if you're Washington, you're certainly going to be counting on them doing quick passes. The other thing, guys, is unless in my mind's, unless I'm mistaken, and that, that is definitely possible, 
is uh, I don't know that Ron Rivera has had a huge amount of success in defending Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Um, there's a couple games I can remember, like the first game of 2013 where Russell had to hit curse for a touchdown at the end. But in general, I feel like Russell's and the Seahawks have done pretty well on offense against Pete. Yeah, and for those who don't remember, the Seahawks in Carolina, it felt like they played every year. And those games were always tight, but Russell did do well against them. (laughs) Yeah. What happened here? Uh, the difference was they had Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis and their peak. And those guys were really hard for Russell to play against. And this team is built very differently. They don't have linebackers like that who can run with Russell and who can take away the middle of the field. And they always had kind of weaknesses in the second year, similar, not similar built to this team where, Russell's deep ball, but they've never really faced a front four like this. And it's kind of a different built team, but yeah, Seattle knows Ron Rivera's defense. Jack Del Rio is their defensive coordinator. Who's not like, a, he's like a Ken Norton kind of guy. Like he actually hired Ken Norton. Um, and he was a defensive coordinator in Super Bowl's the Seahawks Super Bowl win over Denver. So they've had, he was the head coach or he was, no, he was the defensive coordinator in Denver. So the Seahawks know this defense inside and out. And Russell dominated that game too. So to me, yeah, Rivera's scheme and his defense has never given Russell trouble. Even games they lost, Russell did pretty well. So there was that playoff game where they almost came back. There was that game where Greg Olson scored like the last second touchdown. The Seahawks were up huge and blew the game. But yeah, I think Russell does know this defensive scheme very well. All right, guys, guys, Nathan's not here. It's safe. <laughs> Talk to me. What are you going to say? I think I know where you're going. I do too. I mean, truthfully, do you want to see them run the ball a little bit in this game? I want them to go with the hot hand, whatever it is. Because I, I'm not I'm not convinced that their run defense – did you get? Did you give some stats earlier? How how bad is or where's their run defense rank? Do we know? Uh, we do, and I I can share. It's um, it's good. It's not terrible, but it's not as good as the Jets' run defense was. Um, for example, um, I think that they are probably a top ten run defense, and I can tell you for sure. They are ninth in the NFL in rushing yards against and 10th in the NFL in yards per rush. Those oh, are- actually, uh, we all forgot to mention, this is huge It is Our running back one returns this week. Uh, Rashad Penny is uh, back in the lineup. Yeah, there, there's some interesting injury news to talk about for sure. And, and I think it's <laughs> as good a time as any to bring up Rashad Penny. I mean, do, do you, are you expecting he's going to play? He better. Yeah. Jeff? You expecting he's going to play? Well, I think he should. I think this is a time where I've been saying all year where I am nervous of like how they can fit him in. But if you're, it seems like the Seahawks are saving Chris Carson for the playoffs. It just seems, you know, 11. Thank you. You know, 11 carries last game. And a couple of things. If you want to save Carson, 
And if you kind of want to see what Penny has got, because he might be a feature back next year if Carson walks. It's a pretty good time to give him some snaps. Chris Carson is not healthy. He's not healthy. No matter the lies that come out of Pete Carroll's mouth, Chris Carson is not healthy. I would not be opposed, and maybe this is a radical thought, to sitting Carson for like one to two weeks. You would play in the Rams game? I wouldn't play him this week. I don't know about Rams. You need a healthy Chris Carson for the playoffs. But how do do you know that resting him is going to make any difference? Like the injury he might have might be the kind that it's not going to be better until he gets, you know, an off season. If that's the case, that's really disappointing. And and I see our playoff hopes being limited, frankly. That's another conversation, but, but (laughs) I I guess, I mean, back to the question though, I mean, dominant pass rush from, from the opponents, you may or may not have your starting right tackle Brandon shell. I would give him a 60, 40 chance of playing. I think he's going to play, but I think it's, it's questionable thin depth behind him. Um, You've got at least Carson and Hyde, and you may also have Penny. Is this a game where you say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to go a little heavier on the run mix than we have in, in some of these past games. Like, and, and be a little bit less pass centric um, than we've been. Uh, is, this, is this the game to, to zig when we've been zagging this whole time and bring in a heavy package, bring in an extra tight end and, and, and like do something that we haven't done all season long. Can I give you a cop-out answer? No. Don't yeah, no, I'm, no, I'm going to give you a real answer. You okay. give what they take you, but more important, or what you get, you take what they give you, but more importantly, you have to be willing to adapt quickly in game. We haven't seen that yet. So that's my answer. If, if, you know, they come out with a super, super pass heavy approach and it's just not working. Russell is off. We have to see them adapt. We have to see them give Carson more opportunities. We have not seen them quickly adapt like that in game yet. We need to see that this Sunday. You know what, Jeff? That's it's fascinating to me. I almost think that that is the core issue that we've been, at least the three of us have been angry about more than whether it's running or passing even back to the game where it broke Evan in Dallas I don't know how much of it was about the fact that they kept running versus the fact they were doing something that wasn't working and weren't changing the plan in the middle if they've been running and scoring a bunch of points I'm guessing Evan wouldn't have given a shit um, if they had done that And, and so I think it gets caught up in this whole run versus pass thing but like do what's working, and if it's not, adjust. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, me and Brian, I think, are closer aligned than maybe Evan is on this. I'm not like a run versus pass. I'm more of a play to the opponent and play to your strengths kind of guy. Some teams, it makes sense to run a lot if you don't have a passing game. Some teams, if you're the Chiefs, you should be passing 60 70% of the time. That's your strength. And the thing that – obviously upset Evan in that one Dallas game and upset us is that you're right. 
the coaches seem like they're beating ahead their head against the wall when it's very obvious what's happening. And that's what the story was in that Giants game. And roster-wise, this team is very similar. They don't have much of an offense. They don't have a passing offense. They're the guy that keep their running game. He's probably not going to play this week. Antonio Gibson, he's out. So it's going to be defense, try to slow the game down, try to slow this offense down. And, yeah, they have to – the best coaches are able to either adjust in-game or adjust with different game plans week to week. And we talk about different coaches a lot between us and Nathan. And the thing that this staff has been so bad at is just they either take the halftime to adjust or they don't adjust at all. And to me, they have to know – they have to have a plan B quickly in their pocket and they have to have it ready to go because – this is the front four that can just blow up a game. And if you try to win one way, they can end the game very quickly. Because yeah. have- Sorry, go on, Justin. No, no, no that's right. So, so a, a couple qu- quick pieces here that are interesting. So um, one, they come out, Pete Carroll even mentioned it this week. I think it was even today. Like they, they, they do run some of their plays at the beginning, some of their scripted plays to figure out how a defense is playing them. So this isn't like a new concept. But it's almost crazy that like either they're doing that and not learning the right lessons or, you know, ignoring what they're learning because um, they, they, they do seem to, to just not figure out quickly enough and often not until after the game um, this season, at least what to do. But um, I, I wanted to, to highlight a couple things about the Washington defense before we move back. I want to talk about the, the injury updates too, because there's a lot of juicy like Seahawks news there. Jeff, you read my tale of tape, so you'll know this, but surprising to me, Evan, what I found. Um, Are you assuming but, I didn't read it? I am assuming you didn't. Read it. <laughs> Why would you assume such a thing? I had to read it after last week. I had to see how you live up the last weeks. Yeah, I last actually week did skim like, it, but I don't remember a single word. <laughs> Last week, just, yeah, I, had to, I had to see what you're doing. Yes, I've had a few more words on paper for digital paper this week. But um, it was interesting to me to find out that, one, Washington has not allowed more than 20 points in the last four weeks. Okay, that sounds really good. Great defense. They also haven't played a good team offensively in the last four weeks. And if you look back, there have been five times that Washington has played an offense that is ranked in the top above 20th in the NFL in terms of offensive efficiency, like DVOA. They are 0-5 in those games, and every single one of those offenses scored over 30 points. Over 30 points, not like 20, 25, over 30 points. So this defense, you know, even from a DVOA, DVOA perspective, which, by the way, EPA, which is the nerd's favorite number, is not opponent adjusted. So you could play, you could play the Jets sixteen games in a season, and your EPA would look fantastic, and there'd be no difference than any other EPA. DVOA for Football Outsiders is opponent adjusted, and they rank. The red, the not the Redskins. Sorry, the 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 Washington Football Team's defense. I think fourth. It's still very high. But if you really look at it, just practically, like when they've faced good offenses, they've given up a ton of points. They gave up thirty to the Lions. They gave up thirty to um, 
I'm spacing the Ravens, like, which has not been a great offensive team this year. They gave up 30 to the Rams, like, and 30 to the Cardinals. So I'm not saying exactly 30, but 30 plus. So this team can give up points. And I just wonder a little bit if, if, uh, if they're maybe a little more overrated than, than we think, is, is there a chance that, that they're a little bit feeding on the weaker teams um, and maybe not as, as, as crazy as we think they are? I'm not willing to buy into that theory because I thought really highly of the Seahawks and then they lost to the Giants at home. So beating any team the way they're beating teams defensively, in my opinion, is an accomplishment. They're doing it, unlike the Seahawks. Yeah, I would add is that um, a lot of those numbers came before Chase Young kind of found himself. Chase Young started the year with a hip injury. And in the last four to five games, he's kind of found himself and has, like, the last two games especially where they beat the 49ers and Steelers, pretty good teams, he's been the best player in the field in both games. And early in the year, he was kind of a non-factor, and they were looking at him like, why didn't they draft Tua or why didn't they draft Herbert? Mm-hmm. That was a big conversation going around. But I think that's really – and they're a new scheme and a lot of new players. They're coming together. They were probably just figuring things out, like Seattle. We saw it in Seattle. They, they took eight or nine weeks before they can communicate and get guys on the field together. And obviously, Seattle's offense has a much better offense than Nick Mullins. But Kyle Shanahan is usually pretty good at scheming things open and finding ways to do things. He really had nothing going against these guys. And that concerned me a little bit. Uh, just to back up, Pro Football Focus, I, I know it has this is its benefits and its drawbacks, but it does, it does confirm what you're saying about Chase Young. He's on a pretty clear upwards upward trend over the past three weeks. Uh, the past three weeks have been pretty much three of his best four defensive performances of the year. So he's on an upward trajectory for them, for sure. We are not a Washington uh, podcast, but I got to say, Jeff, if I was a Washington fan, if you put Justin Herbert on this team or you put Tua on this team in place of Chase Young, I think the Washington's walking away with this division. Like as good as Chase Young is, I don't think they needed a fourth pass rusher versus a quarterback. If you put a good quarterback or a decent quarterback on this team, it is what it would what would their record be if Alex Smith had or yeah, Alex Smith had been playing all year long. I think they'd be above 500, but maybe just I think so too. like seven and five instead of five and seven yeah, or whatever seven. they are. I agree. I agree, Brian, but in any scenario, we've talked about it a lot when we argue like who is responsible, the LOB or Russell Wilson. Um, a quarterback, no matter how good a defense is, a quarterback is always incredibly more valuable. They're the most important position in the league. And like the Niners made the same mistake they had. They were building a team and they took Solomon Thomas instead of Deshaun Watson and Mahomes in that year. And imagine where the Niners would be right now if they had, say, Deshaun Watson. That's a great that's – Oh, a, that's painful to think about. That's, oh, that's <laughs> well, not not, they that's fucked up. Like, Don't worry. They're going to fix the mistake this offseason with Dak. That's like mana from heaven. I but it's it. just like, yeah, I agree. Well, if you can get a quarterback, because like, now Washington still goes into the offseason with this great defensive line and they're not going to have a high pick. 
and how do you fix the quarterback position? So I, I want to talk a little bit about, oh, go ahead, Evan, go ahead. You got a thought. I just wanted to ask both of you guys, like I don't follow Washington super closely, but what's going on with Dwayne Haskins? Like, is he just not good? <laughs> because yeah, not good. Coming out of college, he was. There's an interesting story there, though. Like, if you, if, from the player standpoint, you've seen. I think, check me on this, but I've seen a number of players, both on the team and and off the team, more more off the team, speak up in support of Haskins because their point of view is that as a black quarterback, he did he got a quicker hook than a bunch of like there's a bunch of crappy you know. Uh, white quarterbacks out there that are left to try to figure it out throughout the league. And they would go out there and I saw it. It's like, you're telling me that, that, you know, I can't remember some of the guys they were playing in Jacksonville or some of the guys playing in some of the other places where they're like, like these guys are better than Haskins. Why, why isn't he getting more of a chance? So I think so, there's some support. So for here's him. the backstory from what I understand. Last year they had a different coaching staff and the coaching staff did not want to draft him. It was Jay Gruden. They did not want to draft him. That pick was purely ownership driven. And Brian knows a lot about Dan Snyder. He's talked between John Schneider. When Ron Rivera was hired, I heard this on a podcast. He had to like, kind of give like a fake story of like, yeah, like I'll give Dwayne Haskins a chance. Like we'll give him every opportunity. It was kind of like when Mike McCarthy said he studied the entire Dallas playbook when he never did. And apparently it was just like very disingenuous. And from the moment, like, he got there, like, Rivera did not like Dwayne Haskins. There was something about his attitude. They benched him during the year because apparently he was bragging about his stats after, like, a 30-point loss. And this coaching staff really just never gave him a shot. And the players do seem to like him. There's a lot of guys in the media who have support of him. But this coaching staff just – he was never their guy. They never seemed to go to bat for him. And the second they could yank him, it seemed like that was a purely ownership-driven pick and – they're like, well, we gave him a chance and it didn't work. And basically they, he was their first card to play. And you can see it. Like this regime has done well with black quarterbacks and Cam Newton was Rivera's guy his whole tenure. And he, and for whatever reason, I don't know Haskins. I don't know any much about him, but they didn't mesh. Well, it's interesting you brought up Cam Newton. That was the first name that, that I thought of as would be an interesting bridge option for the, the Washington team next year. Ron Rivera reunited uh, could be an interesting, I mean, they don't need, I don't know that, that they even need a great quarterback to be a contending team, at least in the, they can the, get Jimmy G East. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Hey, so, so let's, let's talk two things. Like um, one, I, I do want to talk about the defense because the defense is as much as we're frustrated with the offense, the defense has been doing a lot of good things. So we should talk about that. But before we do, let's talk about some of the injury news and some of just the, the roster news in general. So we already talked about Rashad Penny. I think we're all hoping that he plays. I, my read of the way Pete's talking about it is that Rashad Penny will practice like he's going to play this week. I don't think he's going to be active. That that's my read. I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I would love to see him um, back on the field, but that's my read. The other piece, uh, Quentin Dunbar. Quinn Dunbar will be practicing to play this week. And the way Pete sounded in the presser today, someone asked him, is Dunbar going to roll back out there? And Pete was pretty hesitant. And Pete's been pretty, we've talked about it on this show. He's been pretty 
guarded about Dunbar um, for a while now. My expectation is that he's going to play, but he's going to rotate with DJ Reed. Um, Has he been the biggest disappointment this year of a Seahawks player? Has there been a more disappointing? I think Russell's been more disappointing. Really? I mean, I understand Russell, you know, shat an egg for six weeks. I'm not disputing that, but at least I had very high expectations for Dunbar entering the year. And we never even saw, I don't think we ever saw Dunbar playing at like the level that we were hoping. I would agree with you. I saw enough from Dunbar early in the season, like in his first two games, even his first two or three games where I was like, okay, I can see him picking up steam Mm -hmm. where a lot of it seems to me injury related. So it's hard for me when it's injury related, it's hard for me to be as disappointed. Um, It's like Daryl Taylor, like, is he the most disappointing? Sure. But you know, I don't even know what we have there. So it's hard to, to say that that's disappointing. I just don't feel like he's played very well when healthy, unless unless you're insinuating that when he has played, he since the second week of the season, his knee injury happened very early, and he's been playing with it since. So, I mean, yes, compared to I see people in the chat talking about Philip Dorsett, like yeah, of course, there's guys that have been disappointing. Got disappointment. He got injured. Yeah, I, I mean, and plus Philip Dorsett was like a low grade signing. He was yeah, like a. Cool. Yeah, he was like a wide receiver four Benson or five. Mayo. I think there's a case for Benson. Ooh. I think there's a case for Quandre Diggs. See, he's been oh. on lately, I think. He's been better, but he hasn't been great. Benson I mean, Mayo I Quandre was Diggs was a pro bowl, pro bowl potential safety. And We're was- idiots. I know who it is. I think it's Shaquille Griffin. He's not for me. He's what I thought he was. For you, okay. I think- Okay, fair. Relative to my hopes and expectations. Yeah. yeah. Mine's done, yeah. bro. I think mine has to be done. I can't get that Buffalo game out of my head. I know he was injured. That was like the worst game I've ever seen cornerback play. Who's been who's been the most the biggest overachiever? Shell. Brandon Shell? That's probably the easy one. Let, let, let's 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 take that as a given. Who else? Hugo Amadi. Who goes up there? Puna. Puna's got to be up there. Puna, like we all liked him, but like he's playing at like Pro Bowl level, right? We love that big poo. We love it. (laughs) Uh, Another one. Jason Myers. Yeah. Oh, Brian, say it. Jason Myers has been so damn good this year. That sixty-one yard field goal was like pure. Orgasm. Yeah. What about Dwayne Brown? Uh, yeah, he's been good. He's definitely been great. He's just been he's been good before. I, I think Trey Flowers belongs on that list. I think he does too. I uh, mean, my expectations were fl- below the floor for that. Guy. Just, the beginning of the season, that like Dallas game was so bad. And yes, but like Jeff, Jeff, there was like a three or four week stretch where Trey Flowers was actually playing well. What about DJ Reed? Yeah, but but I don't know if he's overachieved. Right? Like like we don't know what we had with DJ Reed. That's like when Justin Coleman came in and he was good. It was like, oh, that's okay. awesome. How about Posick? 
Posick for me is just, I'm not I know. where anyone else is. To me, he is a guy. He's filling the role. He's doing his job. Would I'm you not- extend him? No. Okay. At what number would you keep him? So hard in a vacuum to know without other roster positions. Like in general, I would hope that you wouldn't keep him. I would hope that you'd spend the money elsewhere. Jared, where, where's Jared Reed on this list? He's roughly what I thought he was going to be. To be totally honest, he's going to end up with three to six sacks, you know, and and be like a good run defender and a solid starter. He's not a he's not a like top line player, but yeah, you know who's fizzled out for you. Uh, Quinton Jefferson. Yes, he has. LJ Collier. We're talking about the Seahawks on this podcast. Yes. LJ Collier. Uh, he probably belongs in the overachievement category for this for this crew. There are some yeah, pretty I'm not saying much, but there's some pretty low expectations for him. Um, what about Jamal? I mean, that's the most interesting one, isn't it? Like, forget about compensation. Don't talk to me about whether he's worth. No, but it's relative to what your expectations and hopes were for him, right? Like, my expectations and hopes were pretty high when we traded. Broke the record for most sacks ever by a defensive back in the entire history of the NFL. In nine games. In nine games. I'm not saying he hasn't been successful. And he's been actually, like, in the last three games, he's been way less, like, used as just a crazy blitzer and like what he's been a safety who played some in the box. He played, he only blitzed six times last week against the jets. So your argument is he's overachieved for us. I think he's met my expectations. I think he's, he's roughly been at an all pro level. I would agree with that. That's where I am. Yeah. I, I wasn't arguing he was underachieving. What do you I just, think, Jeff? I'd say he's a I think this was more the usage with him, and I think, I think it hindered him. Uh, I think this is where we were so critical of Ken Norton because I think their usage of him in the beginning was really bad, and I think they left the defense out to dry and they were way too obvious. I think now that they've kind of figured him out and settled him in, he's playing closer to what I expected. But I don't think he's quite at all pro level because of his coverage play. But I think he's been good. I don't think he's been a disappointment. Outside of competition, I think he's been fun. I think he's made a difference. What about Jordan Brooks? Met expectations, I think. I, I Yeah, met. He's average. I think he's a little below for me. He's starting uh, to come on a little bit. but He's starting to come on. I think Adams is a guy that can change the playoff. Game. And I think that's... Uh, I want to give pre-fight donut a cred. Ryan Neal's a good one for overachieve. Now, yeah, the air kind of came out on the one in the chat that's a really good question has tyler lockett underachieved this year yes yeah yes he had a couple big games and other than that he's been quiet yeah i i i think that's right i think will disley's another name where it's like i don't know he can't like those back-to-back surgeries it's hard to it is greg olson he underachieved i was very high on him and i i, I was wrong yeah, I thought he would be a very good addition. He's made one or two plays all year. Carlos Hyde, overachiever. Mm, he's been like, I just don't get it. I don't get the, like, what I see with Carlos Hyde is when there's a hole, he hits it. 
and he gets yards. Well, I think that's what he was signed for. He's in Like he, he's a serviceable back. Like there's yeah. nothing about him that's like, yeah, that guy's overachieving to me. I would say DJ Dallas yeah. is underachieved a little bit to me. Yeah, I think so. Um oh but- another one in the chat. Damian Lewis is an obvious overachiever. Yep. Like yep. That's um, cr- yeah. Let's get to keep on the injury thing. So we just talked about Greg Olson. Greg Olson. I Greg, no, that was actually fun. That was fun. Uh, Greg Olson is practicing this week, and there's a chance he will play this week. My first question for you guys is: Are you? Is that good news, Evan? I'm like mind blown. I'm absolutely mind blown that he has a chance to play this week. Like I am 25 years old. When I was getting up off the couch today, my leg cracked and it really hurt. And I've been, I've been limping ever since. Like this guy is a freaking machine. I cannot, I am so grateful genuinely that that, that injury was not his last down as an NFL player for such an accomplished player as him. It's, I think it's kind of a big, I think we're underselling how big of a deal it is that, He's coming back this week, actually. I, I know he – I feel like you've under – you said he's underperformed, Jeff, but he has been a safety outlet for Russell. And, you know, in the past six weeks, Greg Olson has been one of those missing names. So, who knows? What do you think, Jeff? Um, I would probably ease him in a little bit. I'd probably give him the week off, get him ready for the Rams game. Yeah, but is it good news? Is it good news? Yes, because I'll tell you one reason. I can't stand watching Jacob Hollister play. Really? I don't. Yeah. Strong yeah. feelings about Jacob Hollister. That is amazing. It brings back memories of like the bad 2019 Seahawks team where they he was their third option in the passing game. He gets tackled really easily. He makes a play here and there, but like he just seems like a guy that shouldn't be playing on a good team. He seems like a guy who should be on the Jets, racking up like bad numbers. And having a guy who's a pro and knows what he's doing and having him and Disley. See, I'd rather just play Parkinson. At least he has the upside. Well, that's the to me, that's the issue is. I don't like Jacob Alster. He I would like play. to see Parkinson getting some snaps. I liked what I saw last I week. I said that in the chat like three weeks ago. Everyone looked at me like I was nuts. He had one catch. He had three like, catches. He offers a Did he really have to? Oh, he's just a tall body. Like. Nah, he was an interesting prospect. He was like a first-round prospect a couple years ago. Got good hands. He broke some tackles. Like, anyway. I don't like Hall. I don't know. I don't like Hall. My head tells me. uh, My head tells me it's good news that he's back. My heart tells me I I wish we were going to see more more Colby Parkinson. Um, So we're going to take some Patreon questions. And Evan, you're going to be the MC for this. But I do want to admit that in all my malaise about the Seahawks, I forgot that Josh Gordon was coming back next week. I lost sight of that. And I'm actually busting a pot on him. I'm looking forward to that. Like I'm looking for, I, I think like more than, more than they've needed him in the past, you know, first half of the season, I, I think I'm really intrigued by what he can mean for this offense. And I think based on what Pete said today, it sounds like there's a better than 50% chance he'll suit up against the Rams. Um, the Rams won't know how they're going to use him. So I, I'm I'm hopeful about that. That's a next week comment, but uh, I did want to get it out there for, for this week. 
Um, all right, Evan, um, people sign over up over at patreon.com slash hawkblogger and they get instant access to our Slack channel. Um, lots of good conversation going on there. It's five bucks. Come on, dude. Sign up. Um, so you're getting ready for their playoff run. What were the questions we have this week? Yeah, so we got quite a few. All right, pick, um, pick some uh, highlights and 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 target you know rapid fire at, at one of us and including yourself. Brian, I'm going to start with you. I think this is a really good question, but I'm going to tweak it just slightly. It says, do you feel good about our playoff chances with a victory over the Washington football team, or do you need to see them beat the Rams first? So I'm going to tweak the question and say, do you feel good about our playoff chances with a victory over the Washington football team if they win with the offense piling on points? So if they win in the way that you know it would inspire the most positivity in you, do you still need to see it against the Rams or where's your head at? Um, if they score 30 plus points against this Washington defense, I will be feeling encouraged um, about their potential. And it, it will have probably been their most impressive offensive performance if they're able to do that to date. So do I also need to see them perform well against the Rams? I think the Rams defense is far tougher for the Seahawks team because of the talent that the Rams throw out there in the secondary um, and, and how they can match up. So um, yes, I would need to see it against a team that has a, a, a stout secondary, not just a stout pass rush. And that would be the Rams. Jeff, this one is for you. Why are the Hawks so slow to adjust to opposing defenses? Was the admission by shoddy as infuriating to you as it was to me? Who is this guy speaking? Yeah, absolutely, because anyone who watched that Giants game could see a trend that they were teams were taking away the deep ball and they kept trying to run long developing routes against a very good defensive line that could blow it up. And Russell was not comfortable. He was jittery and it was a pattern. I think the Seahawks are just of the belief. They come from more of a mindset, not like Bill Belichick, where they're more shapeshifters and play to opponent. They're the Pete's philosophy, and I think Shoddy is a bit this way too is this is what we do and this is how we win. And they want to say, we don't care about our opponent. We dictate the terms. And I think that's how they try to play too often. And they try to say, we're a deep ball passing team. This is how we win. This is Russell's strength. Pete loves chunk plays. It's its philosophy. And they try to win that way instead of saying, okay, this team can be beat otherwise. And I think Pete has done this over and over for years. I think that's just his philosophy defensively as well says we play coverage we simplify coverage we want our players to play fast we don't adjust too much they, they didn't really blitz a lot of the early years and i think that's just his philosophy and i think that's deep rooted in the whole coaching staff ryan i'm going to throw this one at you we've got three more including this one with dunbar and penny coming off of ir whose roster spots are on the chopping block so I'm pretty sure um, Lyndon Stevens is is still on the roster. I think he even got some snaps against the um, uh, against the Jets. So he would be one option. Um, I think that uh, there's also some uh, from a running back situation. It's a good question. Um, I'd actually have to pull up the roster to take a look. But um, would they cut Travis Homer? No, I would IR. I would put him on IR. I don't know if it, is he, he hasn't been put on IR yet, right? No, he's still on the roster. That, that, that would be a lot obvious. That would be the obvious move is to put Homer on IR, and then you have a chance if you want to pull him back for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Uh, this one's directed to me. Do, does Evan believe if Penny plays well down the stretch, that will impact the decision on whether or not Carson is a high priority for the Hawks this offseason? Uh, normally, I would respond yes to this question, but I believe the Seahawks have already made a decision on what to do with Chris Carson. There have been is an extreme lack of, of rumors going around about any extension talks with Carson. I think they have already made a decision on it, on him, and I think it's to let him walk. I don't I don't think Carson is going to be back next year. Hmm. Last question I will give to you, Jeff. Uh, against a stingy – actually, no, Brian, I'm going to throw this one back to you. Against a stingy Washington football team defense – do the Seahawks – the Seahawks are favored by 5.5. Do you think they cover the spread for our betting listeners? I haven't even thought about my prediction yet for this game. We're ruining the prediction. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with yes. Ooh. That's optimistic, I feel like. It is. It, it, it really pisses me <laughs> off that I'm feeling that way. Yeah. Why are why are you feeling that way? Like, what did your mind first go to? Because because I'm most upset at the wasted opportunity for this team and the way and just the way that they completely blew their opportunity. Mm-hmm. I still fundamentally believe this is a really good team, <laughs> and and I saw and I've seen evidence of them. You know kind of coming out of it a little bit and so uh, yeah against all good reason i i have a feeling that that the offense might show up this week it, god i'm gonna it, uh, so annoying that I, my hopes are getting up so <laughs> you've become emotionally attached again uh, you're so, prime you're in prime position I for a complete disappointment that's game with zero emotion zero like i just sat back there and just observed and it was so relaxing it's not as enjoyable but it was so relaxing and and this team makes just punishes you for caring they punish you for caring that's a really succinct way of describing the seahawks yeah they punish you for caring (laughs) all right that's our questions all right Cool. Well, um, let's, uh, let's get some predictions. Um, I, I, was there any other injury news before we get to predictions that I'm forgetting? Um, uh, I don't remember anything. Dunlap, do we know anything on Dunlap? Dunlap is going to be, um, you know, they won't know to the end of the week. He's planning to play, you know, the teams kind of figure it. Honestly, that is one of the more concerning injury situations. It doesn't sound like, Similar to maybe Chris Carson, doesn't sound like something that's just going to get better. It sounds mm-hmm. like they're going to have to hope that he can manage it. But, but, uh, yeah, bottom of his foot, some kind of issue. Carlos Dunlap is planning to play. Yes. I just hope it doesn't limit his effectiveness. Yeah, because he was not that good when he played the week before. Because we saw with Clowney last year down the stretch when he was hurt, he was just a non-factor. Do you guys? So it, it's looking like Dwayne Haskins probably will play not certain yet but alex smith will not how much does that affect your opinion about seahawks chances in this game i'll be honest it does a lot alex smith is like a huge upgrade over Dwayne haskins like alex smith has not been bad this year like he's been decent for them 
Uh, I think the I think the difference between a decent and really bad quarterback for Washington could decide this game. I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, and the thing with Alex Smith is he's like very conservative and safe, and he knows what he's doing. He can read the defense. He's seen it all. He's not a big play guy. They're not going to take shots down the field. He's checked down Alex. That's his thing. He always has high completion percentage. Haskins is kind of up and down. If you like watched Daniel Jones play against like Arizona last week, Haskins is of that mold where it's just like he's all over the map. Like he could turn the ball over at any point. He's the exact opposite of Alex Smith, but with a low ceiling. So I mean, the Seahawks defense should have had twenty-one points last week. Yeah, like the drop that Amadi oh. had, the drop that Jamal had. Amadi, Jamal, Puna. Like, Can these dudes not catch a fucking football? Jamal's was so bad. Like, oh God. Like, Brian, you would have caught that football. Oh, 100. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got faults, but but I've got decent hands. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would get destroyed in, like, seconds, but but I, I would catch the football. Um, all right. Let, let's talk about – let's talk about predictions for this game. Um Evan, what happens in this game? What's the final score? Seahawks return to uh, their offensive drought. I think Washington wins this football game. 23 to 13. Wow. 2313. I'm not like like I said earlier on this podcast, like what they did against the Jets is what they should have done. And yes, it was a step in the right direction, but this Washington defense is legitimately a really good defense. And if they can get to Russ and if Brandon Shell is out, which I think he will be, it's gonna make it really difficult for Seattle. And do I trust Shoddy to adapt on the fly? And, you know, scheme receivers open early. Not so sure. Do I, do I trust Russell Wilson to reliably have a strong performance on Sunday? I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't. And that sucks. I don't like feeling this way, but. But they haven't like, they haven't done enough to earn my confidence back yet. And I'm talking specifically about the offense. So that's a bummer prediction, but it's what I think happens. Respect. All right, Jeff. I do think the Seahawks win the game. I think just uh, Washington's offensive limitations are very obvious, especially if Smith doesn't play. But I don't think they cover the spread. And I think it's going to be a slog, ugly all of us pulling our hair out for three hours kind of game where the Seahawks do struggle similar to what Evan said, but I think they just have the talent advantage that gives them the edge of this game. So I say it is 17 to 13 Seattle wins. If, if that's the score, I'm not any more confident than I am right now about the Seahawks. No, I've actually. just seen this game too many times where they play Carolina. They, they like play that's Carolina. a, that's a one and done like Seahawks team in the playoffs. That's where I'm at. Until I see them play well against a good defense. Yeah. I'm in that mode. 
So, man, I don't know why I feel this way. I'm going to try to figure it out, but here's what I'm expecting to happen. I, I think the Seahawks win 27 to seven. And a big part of the reason I think that is because I really think the Washington offense is going to struggle. I, I think the Seahawks defense has reached a new level of performance and I'm saying these words and imagining them coming back to haunt me on Twitter clips, but I, I, I think that they're due for their, their first defensive touchdown of the season. Um, I think the defense could be part of the points that get scored. Uh, I think if Quentin Dunbar plays, that could mean that DJ Reed gets to be part of the return game and the Washington actual kickoff coverage is pretty bad. I think DJ Reed is, is just an inch away from breaking one of these returns um, every time he's been back there. So I'd like to see that. And I think that, I think that the offense will be balanced and good enough. I think, I think that we're going to see a little bit of the run and I think we're going to see a little bit of the pass. And I don't think that the Washington secondary can handle DK Metcalf on a slant. I don't think that their nickel corner can handle Tyler Lockett. Um, and so, and maybe just maybe, you know, Rashad Penny, maybe we, we have not had explosive play from a running back. Fresh legs come in. Yes. They're, they're injured legs re- recovering, but there's been a lot of positive reports about how he's looked in practice. So um, yeah. Yeah it's odd for me to say, I think most of it has to do with, I just don't respect that Washington offense. And I think the Seahawks defense is playing well. I think it's going to put Seattle in a lot of plus positions to put points on the board. Um, and, and that's why I haven't went in by a fair amount. So anything else we missed fellas before we sign off for the night, please stay healthy on this field. This field is a nightmare. Oh, that- I see someone uh, taunting me about saying that the defense is going to score for eight straight weeks. It's because it's going to happen. There, there is, it's going to eventually happen. I'm going to be they right. Have scored twice last week. They should, they should have scored at least twice last week. All right, fellas. Hey, if, if folks you haven't already clicked subscribe, please do click the bell to get notified when we go live. Um, go over to Patreon.com/slash/hawkblogger. Sign up, and if you haven't already. Uh, go try to find these uh, Cutwater. Where is it? Come on, green screen. Help me. It doesn't want to. It's invisible. Now, see, if, if they joined us as a full-fledged partner, these problems would, would go away. Let's see if I can do this. There. There. Go ahead and get some Cutwater uh, Vodka Mules. Uh, they're excellent. I certainly enjoyed mine. Uh, thanks for, for uh, sending me the pack. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, folks, we're just a few weeks away from the playoffs and we are one week away from what is going to be a division deciding game against the Rams. So a lot to talk about. Looking forward to seeing you over at the Slack channel on patreon.com slash Hawk blogger. Um, until then, until this weekend where we do the post game show, good night and uh, go Hawks. <laughs>